Well, good morning, church. In case you did not realize this, I am not Pastor John. Um, I, I understand. I understand. We're about the same height. We have about the same hairline, which, which probably doesn't bode well because I'm a few years younger than him. And of course, we have the same uh, booming, commanding voice uh, with which to speak. So I, I understand the confusion, but I appreciate if you'd bear with me today because this is not the normal capacity in which I serve. So hang with me and give me a little bit of the grace that we'll talk a little bit about today. But while Pastor John is away at the Eastern Christian Conference, he asked if I'd speak, and I said I would not. Um, and then he said there was no option. So <laughs> here we are. So we'll be starting in Philippians 1 today. Um, we'll start with the first slide. That's the last one. <laughs> but in Philippians 1, we'll read verses 19 through 26, and we'll go from there. So Philippians 1, 19 says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body... This shall mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us, um, and right now as we open your word, I pray that you would be moving in this room. I pray that you would be stirring hearts, and that ultimately we uh, will encounter you today. God, that your presence would be known and your word would be heard. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. So looking at this passage, um, I'm going to focus in on the part where he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, the, Paul knows that his death may be near. In fact, when he's writing this, we know that he's imprisoned, um, and there's some discussion about which one of his imprisonments this is written under, but a lot of scholars tend toward this being later in his life. So he's not only captured, he's not only um, being persecuted, but he also may be advanced in age at the time of this writing. So he knows his death may be near, and we, we see him recognizing his anticipation to be with Christ, right? Um, so we see him saying that he would much rather depart and be with Christ. He is anticipating the day when he can commune with his Savior. Um, and, and we get this very raw stream of consciousness view of this, right? It's not to say that Paul is debating self-harm. It's not to say that he's debating taking this into his own hands. It's to say that he feels that pulling on his soul, right? He, he has been working hard at this point for many years in ministry through persecutions, shipwrecks, um, through good times, through bad times. And, and he feels that tugging on his soul to be with his Savior, um, but instead, he arrives at the fact that every day he has 
it's still an opportunity for fruitful labor. Even when he's locked up, even in an advanced age, even in sickness, even whatever the struggle he goes through, he arrives at this opportunity for fruitful labor. We would say that that is Paul's purpose. His purpose is to look more like Jesus every day. I think this is what he's conveying when he says to live as Christ, to grow closer to Jesus every day. So let's talk about purpose. That's, that's the worst joke of the day. That's a good, that's a porpoise. <laughs> well, that wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> so what is purpose? Purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or the reason for which something exists. We might say, for example, that we took an action on purpose, right? We meant to do that. Um, pretty much we're accepting the consequences of that action. We're accepting whatever the outcome may be for that. Uh, but we're saying that, yes, we chose to take that action on purpose. Um, this purpose is something that has been placed in us. It's something that I think everyone here feels both in their physical life as well as in their walk with Christ. Um, we, we feel a purpose for working a job. We, we want to be fulfilled through our work that we do. We want to be fulfilled in the hobbies that we take, right? We, we want to be able to do hobbies like playing music or, or building with your hands, whatever that may be. Maybe it's gardening outside. Maybe it's uh, not going outside, whatever that may be. We, we want to find purpose, and likewise, our soul cries for that purpose as well. Our soul wants a purpose um, to, to have in this life. So why, why do we need this purpose? Why is it called so heavily upon us? Uh, purpose is called upon us, first of all, because we're made in the image of a purposeful God. See, our God has never been caught off guard. He's never done something accidentally. He's never been surprised by anything. Our God is a purposeful God. In fact, he created us on purpose. He created everything that we see today on purpose. It's not something that, uh, that he had to react to. It's not something that he had to backpedal. Oh, that happened. What do I do now? No, our, our God did everything with purpose, on purpose. And, and we're told that we're created in his image. So this is the first way that we see that we need purpose because we are created in the image of a purposeful God. We want to own our actions in the way that he has owned his. Secondly, we are saved through Jesus Christ. So the purpose of our soul is to be sanctified through the Holy Spirit. Uh, once you're saved, once you've entered into a relationship with Christ, that doesn't make you any better of a person. That doesn't change who you are. But then our purpose changes. We've now had relationship with Christ. We now have relationship with Christ. Now our purpose is to be sanctified through the Holy Spirit, to walk closer to Jesus every day, to look more like him. This is what Paul is feeling 
as he says that to live is Christ. He wants to look more like Jesus every day. Um, and that's exactly what sanctification is, right? The Holy Spirit is working in us. Um, I know I, I don't have many good things to offer. I I'm, I'm, have become aware of that. But the Holy Spirit is able to work through us and is able to make us look more like Christ every single day as we rely on him. So how can we chase after this purpose? What, what can we do to chase after this purpose? And we'll look to the scriptures for this. Um, we'll start with recognizing the goodness of Almighty God. That might be a little hard to read, but we'll read from Ephesians 2. Verses 1 through 10. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us are also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming days he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in its kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. For we are God's handiwork, crafted in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This passage to me just in, inspires absolute awe at the goodness of God, right? Uh, even while we were still sinners, we were made alive with Christ. It says we were dead in our transgressions. Um, and, and our God is that good. You know, the best forgiveness that we can offer, the best forgiveness that we can give humanly holds nothing of weight to what God has given to us. So the first thing that we can do is recognize the goodness of Almighty God, what he's done for us, um, and the incredible sacrifices there. The second thing is to reflect the sacrificing love of Jesus Christ. So once, once we've received this goodness, once we've received this gift, right, we can look more like Christ by reflecting his love to the world. We'll turn back to Philippians for this one um, and read verses 5 through 8. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
So as we recognize the goodness of God, as we can begin to wrap our mind around it, and I, I think it's something that even we as humans can't fully comprehend, right, what he gave to us. We can't fully comprehend what an eternity separated from God might look like. Uh, but as we begin to recognize the goodness of God within ourselves, we then want to reflect Christ's love. This passage says, uh, be in the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And it goes on to describe not only his life, but the crucifixion and death of Christ. Uh, ultimately, that is the love that we're striving to reflect. This isn't something that we can do on our own, right? This isn't something that we're going to have the power to do, and it's certainly not something we're going to have the power to do the first day after having been saved, but it is something that the Holy Spirit can build within us. It is something that he is stirring within us, and I believe it's something that as believers here today, you've felt, right? You've felt the desire to help when there's hurting. We've even felt the desire to help when we can't. It's easy to look on the news and see tragedy, both here in this country and overseas. Even within this week, it's easy to look and see tragedy. And our souls long to help, right? We, we feel that within us. I think that's something better than anything I could come up with, right? I think that feeling, that desire is something better than anything I have to present. That can only be the Holy Spirit working within me to reflect the sacrificing love of Christ Jesus. It says he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He made himself nothing by becoming like us. How does that make you feel? Uh, <laughs> when they call Christ nothing, they compare him to us, a servant being made in human likeness. Uh, that's, that's what we have to offer. Our servanthood uh, is what we have to offer. You see, our humanity is not, is not a, a good thing for us. It's not what we have to give to God. It's about what God has given to us. The best we can offer is servanthood. And then being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is, uh, it has a little bit of context for us, right? We know about one really famous death on a cross, maybe three, who's counting. But this was something that at the time was very poignant. It was still happening, in fact. There were disciples crucified after Christ. Uh, so in this time frame, this is something that the, uh, the recipients of this letter would have been very aware of. They would have been very aware of the inhumanity, of the, the lack of dignity that was given through a death like that. And, and here Paul is calling these people and calling us still today to accept that, that if that's our calling, if that's what God has for us, that we would be obedient even to death and even to an indignified, disgraceful, painful death. This is what God is calling us to here. Uh, so that's the second way that we can chase after this purpose. The third way is to render submission to the Holy Spirit. And I've alluded to this already, but let's read from Galatians 5, verses 16 through 24. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, come on, love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I think this lends itself to what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about in these past two points, right? Where, where have we seen the acts of the flesh just this week? Where can we identify that within our leaders? Um, where can we identify that within celebrities, people of status? How about where can we identify that within ourselves? Now, careful there, because I'm not extending the invitation to identify those for the other members of the church. No, see, this is something that we have to go after within ourselves, because I could be too busy fixing someone else's problem, and, and I've got plenty of my own. I can, I can underline the things on this list that have wreaked havoc in my heart, right, uh, that have wreaked havoc in my life because of these acts of the flesh. And that's something that I have to solve with me, with God, and with accountability through others. That's not something that I have to solve for everyone sitting here today. It's not something I have to solve for anyone here individually today. This is something that you have to work out within yourself. And the Holy Spirit is pulling us from these acts. You see this next, right? The fruit of the Spirit is, and we get this list of things that is so contrary to the previous list that we couldn't possibly exist in both, right? They're so contrary to each other that to have a foot in each pond, you'd be doing a split and more, right? Uh, this is not something that is possible. We see elsewhere in the Bible that we're told you can't serve two masters, right? In that context, it, he's talking about money uh, taking the place in front of God as the person that is being served. In this case, we hold it more generally, right? If, if we can identify things on that first list, then there's work to be done, right? There are areas of myself to render submission to the Holy Spirit because he is making us look like love. He is making us look like Jesus. He is moving us from being described by the first list to being described by the second list. Love, joy, peace, Forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can we identify those things in ourselves? 
Can we see them in ourselves today as we sit here? And can we see themselves, those things in ourselves tomorrow when we get to work in the morning? Um, I know it's a lot easier for me today than it is tomorrow by far to, to strive to look like this, right? To strive to submit myself to the Holy Spirit. And yet we're called to do this every day. We're called to do this in every context. And in fact, it's so much more important, right? It's so much more important to show the love of Christ to those who don't know it than to come in here, act perfect, put our mask on, right? Got to wait till we get back in the car before we can yell at the family members and fight over where we're going to lunch, right? That, that's so easy to do. It's so easy to pretend here. And then we get to work and, and we blend right in there. We, we put on the mask there and we're acting like everyone else at work. We're acting like those who have no hope. And I believe we have hope, you know? I, I believe that we have hope through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. I believe we have hope through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I believe we have that hope not only in ourselves to change us, but I believe we have that hope to offer to others. Again, not condescendingly, not so we can tie a Bible to the end of a baseball bat and beat them over the head with it. That's not the goal. Do not do that. <laughs> but, but we want to offer the incredible saving love of Christ that says, you know what? What you have to offer doesn't matter anymore. It's the purpose that I'm setting inside of you. It's the purpose that I'm setting on your soul to look more like Jesus every day. That's what's important now. Will you submit yourself to me for that? See, that's, that's what God wants. He wants us to submit ourselves. He wants us to submit ourselves in our work week. He wants us to submit ourselves when we stub our toe and nobody's around. I know the language you people use. I'm guilty too, uh, right? He wants to submit our hearts. We want to be purifying our hearts. That's why it affects when no one's around. It affects when we're around coworkers. It affects when we're around believers. Because if we can't be broken, if we can't be honest here among believers, then why are we still coming here? Why are we here if we can't offer up our brokenness, the story of our brokenness, and what God has done to overcome that, what God has put in its place? Because I am a broken, screwed-up individual. And see, God doesn't care about that. It's what he's done. I'm looking to look more like him every single day. So with these three things, we recognize the goodness of Almighty God, the goodness of his intentional, purposeful plan to send his son down to save us. We reflect the sacrificing love of Jesus Christ. We carry that light with us. Um, right now, we're entering into the time of Advent, the time of waiting for our Lord's arrival through Christmas. And we can be reminded by every light in the darkness, right, that there is light coming for this darkness in the world. That light is us, though. We can't wait for Pastor John to do it. We can't wait for someone else to do it. We can't wait for the televangelist to get on a broader-aired channel, right? That light is us that we're carrying. 
And so we're reminded when we see a light in the darkness, we're reminded when we see a candle in the night, when we see Christmas lights on a house, that there's light coming for the present world, but we have to carry that. And then we render submission to the Holy Spirit. This is how we can do that. This is the way that we can carry that light. You see, again, I, I can't do it. The best light that I can shine is like a glow stick, right? You charge it up in the sunlight, and it does really great, and then it, it peters out after a while, you know? The best light I have to offer is sourced from someone else. It's sourced from somewhere else. So as we render submission to the Holy Spirit, we can offer that up to Almighty God. Now, there is one more point that's worth making as we sit here, and, and that's that in order to look more like Christ, we first have to have a relationship with him. And I don't know where everyone's heart is within this room. I don't know where everyone is with Christ today. But I know that before we can start looking like Christ, we've first got to have a relationship with him. Um, this is something that Bob Goff talks about in one of his books. He talks about being Jesus' stalker. Uh, <laughs> he says that, well, I, I know a lot about Jesus, therefore we're close, right? I know the books of the Bible. I can sing both versions of the song for that one. Um, and I, I know John 3.16, and I know the fruits of the Spirit. I, I listed them off, you know, when we were reading them today. And, and he paints this picture. If I said, you know, I know a lot about Aaron, my wife. I know a lot about her. I know her favorite food, and I know her favorite color. And so, therefore, we have a strong relationship. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> that. That's not how we build relationships through community here on earth. And it's not how we can build a relationship with Christ. Because just knowing about him, just being able to cite the facts off, to have the flashcards, isn't enough to have a relationship. It's a two-way exchange. It's, yes, reading his word and allowing that to change us. You see, since I've been married to my wife, I have changed as a person, and so has she. I think that's true of everyone here who has a spouse or family or friends. See, we change as people because we're affected by the relationships that we're a part of, right? We change as people, hopefully for the better, uh, but in this case, with our relationship with Christ, we will be changed by the relationship that we're a part of. That's not an option. So if we're knowing things, if we're rattling off the facts, if we're going down the list, and we recognize that nothing inside of us has changed, then it's worth looking at whether we have a relationship with Christ or whether we're just stalking him. So I, I do want to open up the invitation today. If, if you don't know Christ um, or if you don't have a personal relationship with him, find one of the leaders, find me, find your friend who you're here with, Find somebody in the church who can speak with you about the incredible offer that God has given to us because I believe that it will change your life and I believe it will change your purpose. See, we are redirecting our purpose on purpose because of how Christ has affected us.
That's all I've got for you today. Please bow your head with me and pray. God, we, we thank you for your incredible goodness. We thank you for the offer that you've given us through Jesus Christ. You have said that it takes nothing on our part. It is finished, God. We thank you for that goodness. Uh, we ask right now for those who are in Christ that you would give us the, the power and the leading to reflect the love of Christ through us to the world, to our circles of influence, God, to those that we come within three feet of, God, that we could show them your love, that we can show them the sacrifice that you made for us by reflecting that to others. And we pray that for each of our hearts, we would render ourselves submissive to the Holy Spirit, God, that you would be working through us in our lives, that you would be working in our hearts, that ultimately it would be all you, God, because what we have to offer isn't enough, God. So let us be used by you. And right now I pray for the unsaved in this room, perhaps, but in the world around us that we encounter. May we be lights to them. May we show your love to them. And ultimately, may you be working in their hearts for your good, God. We love you. We thank you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Please feel free to stand and worship with us as we do one more song. Thank you.